1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we're on week number three of Holy Spirit reign. We've been saying every week that you can't live a life worthy of the calling without the Holy Spirit. We talk about that a lot. That One of the most important things for us as Christians is to truly live the way Christ called us to live and provided the means for us to live. And you cannot live a life worthy of the calling without the Holy Spirit. You may remember me saying the first week of this series that originally I was going to be teaching on the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit that are found here in 1 Corinthians 12. The Lord cautioned me about moving forward too fast with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so I I slowed down because I really feel like the Lord wants us to lay a good foundation before we get into the gifts, not only because the gifts are so important in in, uh, equipping the saints, but also because when when gifts are abused in the church, uh, it can cause a lot of damage. Some of you may have been involved in churches where you've seen uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit abused or taken out of context or used in ways that you, you, you question whether the Lord himself would use them that way. And, and we've all seen that, and it can be a very damaging thing. Well, we, we don't want that. Um, if you know much about Corinth and the Corinthian church, you know that uh, Paul's writing his letters to Uh, to them to correct some of the things that were going on. Uh, Corinth was a very wealthy place. It was a very prosperous city. Uh, It was kind of the place to be uh, during that time that Paul's writing this. It's just a very happening place, but it was also a very immoral place. Corinth was a very immoral place, especially in the area of sexuality and those kinds of things. In fact, uh, at the top, the highest place in Corinth uh, stood a, a temple that was dedicated to Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the goddess of of love and beauty and, and sexuality and all those kind of things. And it's, it's said that at all times there were at least a thousand prostitutes in that temple. So it was a very immoral city, all kinds of stuff going on. Well, the church there in Corinth was made up of Jews and Gentiles, but mostly Gentiles. In fact, mostly uh, Greeks. And so um, there, because of that, I believe there were a lot of uh, doctrinal errors. There were a lot of principles that weren't understood and applied. Um, there was all kinds of immorality going on, all kinds of just really inconsistent Christian behavior. And when we look here at 1 Corinthians 12, one of the things that he is addressing, Paul is addressing in that church, is some of the craziness that was happening in their church services. Um, just like today, the Holy Spirit would move and he would, he would minister to the hearts of the people. And uh, sometimes, according to Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, sometimes the church at Corinth uh, we get a little crazy, you know what I mean? And so Paul's, uh, and not that that's entirely wrong, but Paul is addressing this. He's addressing these things because the people were acting uh, out of order. Things were out of order. Bottom line, there was a lot of flesh going on. The people were acting in the flesh in every way. I want to tell you this morning that I don't want to ever be a, a leader or a church member uh, or part of, a, part of a body that's acting in any way in the flesh. Do you guys? No, we want the Holy Spirit to reign not only in our lives personally, but we also want him to reign even in our church service as we're ministering to one another. Um, And so Paul is addressing these things. um, And, you know, I want to address them too. I think that's why, you know, the first week the Lord, you know, really challenged me to slow down and talk about who he is and that he's not an it. He's not a... uh, uh, what did Paul call him? A dumb idol, if you, you will read it here in a minute. He called him, you know, said that the people in Corinth you, you used to worship dumb idols, not dumb as in, you're so immature, they're so dumb. 
but like mute idols, idols that could not do anything for you. They didn't have eyes to see. They didn't have ears to hear. He's saying those are just dumb things. Uh, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. It isn't a little idol. It isn't a little rabbit's foot we rub from time to time. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and we're to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that uh, the first week, and it's a foundational principle. That's why we started with that. And then the next week, if you were here last week, we talked about how the greater point and the greater proof of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit isn't a particular gift, isn't in a particular anointing, isn't a particular this, that, or the other, but it is the dying, the crucifying of our flesh. We talked about that last week. Uh, and as we get on into the spiritual gifts, it's, it's essential that uh, we address our flesh. We talked about um, violently putting to death our flesh. And I tell you, uh, until we are... That was weird. Sorry, that was free. <laughs> So <laughs> it's kind of cool. Anyway, what was I saying? Yes. Until we at least, and hear me carefully, until we at least have an understanding uh, of some of these basic principles of the Holy Spirit, especially an understanding that uh, the, the flesh and the spirit can't coexist, we really have no business trying to steward a spiritual gift. Because it's just going to end up ugly, much like it was happening in Corinth. I think that's why Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, he says, I don't want you to be unaware. Some of your versions say, I don't want you to be ignorant. So he pauses and he says, you know, something's going on that you guys need some direct uh, teaching, some understanding. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be uneducated or ignorant. This morning, I want to talk about the nature of of the gifts, and this will be kind of the third. There's all kinds of principles that you can lay, but this is the third one that we're going to lay uh, this morning. The nature of the gifts. Notice he says now concerning spiritual gifts. He didn't say now concerning uh, your talents, your gifts that you have in the natural. He says your spiritual gifts. If you're writing things down, you can write this down. We serve a supernatural God. What if we all even all said that just to reaffirm that that is a true statement? We serve a supernatural God. I think the church needs to be reminded of this. That we serve a supernatural God. You can't have, uh, you can't have a relationship with a supernatural being and not experience the supernatural from time to time. Amen? That didn't even compute, does it? If I, if I am serving, following after filled with the spirit of a supernatural God, then at some point the supernatural is going to happen in my life. Some of you might be familiar with, uh, with Charles Spurgeon. There's a quote that he has. Uh, it says that true religion, and he's talking about uh, Christianity. He's talking about faith in Christ, faith in God. Uh, true religion is supernatural at its beginning, supernatural in its continuance, and supernatural in its close. And he says, it is the work of God from first to last. We serve a supernatural God. There's no way around that. And you might say, well, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to serve a supernatural God? Well, let's start with the word supernatural. Supernatural is made up of two words, super and natural. Super and natural. Super, it just means uh, above and beyond, over and above the normal. Think about that. We serve a supernatural God. Super means over and above 
what is normal. And then natural just means basically everything that we see, everything that we touch, everything that we do, everything that we experience. And so supernatural, God being a supernatural God, it means that when we are connected with him, um, we see things, experience things, do things even that are above and beyond what we normally see, do, and experience. And that should be something that we all have solid in our Uh, our understanding of God, and even in our practice of walking out our relationship with the Lord. I was thinking about how, you know, you say super, and the first thing that you think about is Superman. You know what I mean? Superman. Superman was, obviously he was from Krypton. (laughs) He was. You know, but he was a superman. He was above and beyond, way above and beyond, a normal man. You know, I don't know if you knew this, but from about 1978 to about 1985, I was Superman. (laughs) You guys probably didn't know that, you know. My mom and dad would say, Tony, why why did you jump off the house? I'm Superman. (laughs) Can you not see the cape? Can you not see the uniform here? You know what I mean? (laughs) They'd be like, Tony, why did you just try to run through that wall. I told you, I'm Superman. You know, I think the one they were confused most, I'd literally try to race the cars, kind of like my dog does, you know, run along the side of the road, and they're beating me, you know, but I don't know that. In my mind, the car's back there, and I'm up there, but the reality is, I was, you know. So anyway, and now, my sons, I don't know who has, has been Superman in the past, but now my sons are Superman. Just come over, and you can, you can totally see that. Anyway, Supernatural. And I want you to write, we're going to start talking about a few things that I want you to understand foundationally. The first thing I want you to know is that the supernatural is the way the Holy Spirit rolls. That's the way He rolls. He rolls supernaturally. That's what God does. What? That's the way He rolls. Listen, we laugh, but there's people that don't understand and realize that that's the way the Holy Spirit rolls. Is supernaturally. I'm serious. Listen, when the Holy Spirit moves, it is always in a supernatural way. There's never a time the Holy Spirit moves and it's not supernatural. Now, it may be a little more supernaturally than other times, but it's always, when you see the Holy Spirit work, it's always supernatural. And anyone who doesn't, need, uh, anyone who doesn't believe that needs to get over that. If the Holy Spirit is moving, it will be in a supernatural way, which means that it might be a little abnormal. It may be a little different than something we've ever seen. It may, we may even be a little bit uh, uncomfortable with it. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we talked about that the first week. We talked about John 14, 7. We talked about 1 John 3. Uh, he abides in us by the Spirit, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We talked about 1 Corinthians three sixteen. The Spirit of God dwells in us and all that kind of stuff. He does. He lives in us. But surely the Holy Spirit has more to do than just sit around some chamber in our heart and wait till we die and go to heaven. He does. He's active. Sometimes I'll, whenever I'm praying and and. For the word, I'll talk about, you know, Holy Spirit, animate this. Make this more than natural, more than normal, more than just words. Animate it. Make it come to life and do it with power because we need the Holy Spirit to make this work. Without the Holy Spirit, this is just knowledge. It's just a book. It doesn't do anything for us. The Holy Spirit isn't just sitting around like, I'll be glad when they die. I'm ready to move on to another house, you know. 
And I know that sounds funny, but there are literally, literally people who do not understand that the way God works through the Holy Spirit is supernaturally. He's not just sitting around. You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about how the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry in Christ. In fact, I want you to look at uh, Luke 24. Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 49. And we'll just read this one verse. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, And behold, in other words, look, listen, pay attention here. I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm sending the promise of my Father. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Now we've heard him say before, right now, the Spirit of truth, talking about the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, talking about himself and the Spirit is with you and very soon will be in you. We know that there's all kinds of scriptures that talk about him being in us. And we know that's true. But here he says, I'm sending forth the Holy Spirit to come upon you. To come upon you. The Holy Spirit lives in us, but will also come upon us. But listen to me close. When the natural is not enough. And you can write that down. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He's always there. If you're in Christ, then Christ is in you. If you abide in Him, He abides in you by way of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. But there are times when the need is strong enough, when the natural is not quite enough, where the Holy Spirit will come upon us in power. Isn't that good? And that's a good thing for us to know as believers, because you know what? We're constantly at a place where the natural ain't working. This isn't enough. My talent's not enough. My personality, as strong as it may be, isn't enough. My desires, my work ethic isn't strong enough to get what needs to be done sometimes in my life. And that's when the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I'm enough and I will come upon you in power to take care of things for you. And that's not a new concept. All throughout the scriptures, you see the Holy Spirit come upon people all the way back into the elders in in the days of Moses' time. The Holy Spirit would come upon the elders and they would start prophesying. The room would get a little, you know, a little weird. You see it in the judges. You see it with, uh, you see it with Jephthah and you see it with uh, uh, Samson and, and all those guys. Gideon. I mean, you take Samson alone. It says the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, and then he starts tearing up lions. You know what I mean? He's ripping them with his bare hands. Or he's taking out a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord, that's a little abnormal. That's a little above and beyond the natural, right? You see it with the kings. The Spirit of the Lord even came upon Saul, as strange and fearful and insecure and a terrible king that he was. You definitely see it on David. You see it in the prophets. The, the, the prophets would come upon them in power. They would prophesy. They would speak the mysteries of the Lord. You see it with the apostles. You obviously see it with Jesus. You see it through Acts and through other places where that even happened to regular old Joes in the body. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you with power. Jesus himself said it. He said it to the apostles. Remember what I said a few, uh, few weeks ago, that we don't think that that concept of the Holy Spirit coming on with power and miraculous things died out with the apostles. Why would that happen? You know, the apostles had the same needs that we have. They were men. They were made of flesh just like us. Why would we need the Holy Spirit and the power that he is able to give any less than the apostles did? The Holy Spirit still moves today. He still rolls supernaturally. Amen? 
And I'll tell you what, most of the times when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon uh, the apostles and, and all the way even back into the Old Testament, most of the time when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them, they would start prophesying. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to that spiritual gift, prophecy. But they did things that were above and beyond the natural. Displays of power. Displays of authority. Displays of miraculous, all kinds of miraculous stuff. And you know, if you look at this where Jesus said, uh, you uh, stay in the city until you are clothed. Some of your versions say endued says with power. In other words, clothed, endued. Uh, power comes upon you. It literally envelops you. You are wearing the power of the Holy Spirit. It says clothed with power from on high. And that word power right there in the Greek is the word dunamis. And it means strength. And some of you have heard that word before used. So I may explain to you. It means strength. It means ability. It means uh, might. It means power. It means miraculous. It's actually where we get the word dynamite from. It's so weird. I can't even think of the word dynamite without... <laughs> without thinking of uh, J.J. from Good Times. You guys remember J.J. from Good Times? It's dynamite! You don't remember that? How many of you remember that? Please tell me. Gee whiz. Okay. There's this guy from, anyway, whatever. Dynamite. And that's something I would run around saying as a kid too. Dynamite! Of course I did. I was Superman. So dynamite! Anyway, it means strength, ability. It's where we get the word dynamite. Now, you guys know, especially those of you who are into 4th of July and all that stuff, and we know what firecrackers are, and we can play with those. We may can even play with M60s or M80s that can blow stuff up or whatever. But dynamite is a whole different beast. One time, Melissa and I were going up to Wisconsin to the reception of a, of a friend of ours' marriage. They got married here, but they had a little reception for his family <laughs> up in Wisconsin. And we went and had the reception and all that. But afterwards, we went to the house, and it's not like we chilled out and sipped some champagne or anything like that. The first thing they do, the brother goes out and grabs some sticks of dynamite. I don't even know where he got them. Grabs some sticks of dynamite. And th- so then the groom is like, oh, yeah. And then the brother-in-law's and then all the men. And then I'm like, I'll, I'll come. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they have sticks of dynamite that they bring out. And they start shoving them into these little holes and these little crevices on this big tree that had fallen over. I'm like, this ain't good. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... They're there, and there's like, there's the tree, and then there's just like kind of a crowd of guys around. You guys remember that, Melissa? There's a crowd of guys around this tree, and we're all like, what is he going to do? Surely he's not. The next thing you know, you see guys just running from the tree. Boom! And you're running as fast as you can, and parts of the tree are literally flying past you. Some, think, some people were getting hit with parts of the tree. That's dynamite. You know, a firecracker, a black cat ain't going to get that done. You know what I mean? An M60, and M80. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's not going to get that done. We're talking about dynamite. But yet that is what, when the Holy Spirit moves, when he starts rolling, that's the way he rolls, dynamically, like dynamite. It's above and beyond a little firecracker, something that we could hold in our hands and toss around. When he moves, it is powerful. It blow a tree up. You know what I mean? Blow a tree up. Hey, we're oaks of righteousness. He blows us up. When he moves upon us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Lord, blow us up today. <laughs> Remember what I said? The Holy Spirit, he lives in us, but will also come upon us when the natural is not enough. The second thing I want you to write down and understand is that the supernatural is divine, not mine. Remember he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. And there's, there's some meaning to that word spiritual. That word spiritual, it, it's uh, uh, pneumaticos. 
And the root word of that word that he uses there is pneuma, where uh, it's used to describe the Holy Spirit. That's the word used in the Scripture for the Holy Spirit. So the root word of this word he uses is spirit. Pneumatikos, it literally means belonging to the divine spirit. Supernatural is divine, not mine. I don't own the power. I don't own the gift. I don't own the results. And this is something huge. This is probably one of the the strongest things for us to understand when it comes to uh, walking out and walking in uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that I don't own this thing. I don't own it. I don't control it. And this is huge. In fact, look at 1 Corinthians. We'll go ahead and I think you already turned there. Let's read a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll start in verse 4. We kind of already read the first um, scripture or two. In verse 4, listen to this. You know what? And you can just say boom every time I say spirit. Okay? You just say boom. You don't have to get obnoxious. Here we go. Uh, say boom. Now, th- not yet. Oh, yeah, we can practice. You want to practice? Everybody, boom. That's nice. Now, there are a variety of gifts. So he says, spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. And then he starts talking about them. He says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. Boom. There are a variety of effects, but the same God. Who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits or discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one individually just as He wills. Now if you notice, and I think Paul was doing this very intentionally, almost after every gift, he clarified that this belongs to the Spirit. Oh, thank you. Okay, we can. X and on the Eretz Bay. Okay? <laughs> I mean, check it out. Uh, manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, things might show up when God moves powerfully. Manifest just means to show, uh, show itself or to, show, to be shown, to be seen. And when it happens, it is of the Holy Spirit. At least it should be. We've seen things that aren't. For one is given the word of knowledge. How? Through the Spirit. Let me clarify. Not through the wisdom of a man, but through the wisdom of the Lord. For one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Another faith by the same Spirit. Another gift of healing by the one Spirit. And it goes on to say that the Spirit is the one that's in charge of all this stuff. The supernatural is divine, not mine. And see, the Corinthian church was trying to own these gifts. They were trying to take credit for these gifts. Listen, when we don't understand that the gift belongs to God, we will take credit. And when we take credit, we will grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy, it says that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work and distributes these gifts to the ones as He wills. And to act in any other way than allowing Him to rule and to reign is to take the credit. We see it all the time. People taking credit for, for what they do. I think that's one of the reasons. Let me just say this. I think that's one of the reasons we don't see the supernatural any more than we do. I think uh, we are such prideful, arrogant, self-sufficient people in our nation 
that I'm not sure that the Lord could really trust us with a serious move of God. Why? Because we are people that would so easily take the credit. But bottom line, I think it grieves the Holy Spirit when we do things and we take credit for it. Yeah, I healed that person. And we wouldn't say those things, but our pride and our pomp and our arrogance speaks the same thing, right? When we don't understand that the gift belongs to God, we will take the credit ourselves and we will grieve the Spirit. And I think... Uh, I really believe that one of the greatest ways to grieve the Holy Spirit is to presume a gift upon yourself or to presume a gift upon another. Remember, it says that he distributes those gifts just as he determines. But what you see a lot of times, you see see somebody say, presume a gift upon themselves. Uh, I'm a prophet. See, I'm a prophet and and I'm a prophet. Or I have the gift of healing. and, And so, and listen, someone may be a prophet. They may move in the prophetic. They may hit the nail on the head every time, or maybe they do heal people or whatever, but you've, you've seen that. The Scripture, even, especially with prophecy, it talks very clearly about somebody that prophesies that it ain't the right one. It actually talks about killing them. They prophesy and say it was for me, and it ain't. You might as well stone that prophet. So God's very serious about the, the stewardship of His Holy Spirit and the gifts. You know, another, to presume a gift upon someone else, it's kind of like when we say, um, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you will need to prophesy. If you don't prophesy, you ain't got the Holy Spirit. Or tongues. If you're not speaking in tongues and you don't have the Holy Spirit, well, okay, well, well, you know, like pause. Does it say that Tony is the one that distributes those gifts? No. It says the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts. And we'll talk more about prophecy, tongues, and all of these gifts. You know, Paul makes it clear, hey, listen, not not everybody's going to do everything. But what we do is we presume upon people what they are supposed to be or to do. And Scripture says that's not correct. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that work. Amen? That might be hard for some of you to hear because maybe you've heard something otherwise, but I believe biblically, and we could talk about it all day if you ever want to, points to the Spirit does the work. The gift belongs to God, and our only part of this thing is to humble ourselves and to serve other people Anything less is pride and self-serving, which brings me to our third point, our final point. Supernatural is for the needy. The supernatural is for the needy. Think about it. People have needs. People have needs uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Any of these gifts can minister to body, soul, and spirit at any given point. It's amazing. We have needs. We're people that do have needs. People have needs. Well, guess what? God, according to his word, says that he wants to meet those needs, that he he knows those needs before we even ask for him to meet those needs. So we have needs. God wants to meet those needs. God most often uses people to meet the needs of other people. We heard testimony of that this morning. Amen. So if God's using people to meet the needs of other people, then people need the Holy Spirit in order to meet the needs of other people. You following? And when you try to meet the needs, spiritual, physically, emotionally, of other people without the Holy Spirit, and we've all done it, we've all been there, especially before we knew the Lord, man, it can get disastrous. I don't know how many times I've... I've, um, I could tell stories. I won't go there. But I, I mean, just it's like, what are you doing? You just confused me more than you did anything. 
because you were presuming a gift upon me or you were saying that this, the Lord is saying this, but you're like missing the mark in so many ways. You know what I mean? I perceive that when you were 12 years old, you were actually a girl. Uh, you know what I mean? You might be missing it, pal. <laughs> or maybe I'm missing it. I don't know. Somebody's missing it. You know, I'm, I'm being facetious, but, but really we've seen, some of us have seen some really crazy things, and I believe that it, it grieves the Lord. Um, but the supernatural is for the needy. Where there is no need, there is no supernatural move of the Lord. And I want you to hear me close there. Where there is no need, there is no supernatural move of the Lord. And I think that is indicative of our nation. We are not a very needy nation overall. You look at Africa, you look at China, you look at some of these places where God is moving in powerful ways, arms growing back, people receiving their sight. And that happens in America. I'm not saying it doesn't. But it happens all in these other places that are, that are a little more destitute, a little more desperate, a little more needy. But we've set ourselves up as people that aren't needy. We don't need anything. What do I need? I got my portfolio. I got my bank account. I got my roles. There's not a whole lot of need in our country. Am I wrong on that? Or are we, are we people that aren't overall very needy? And even, and that's in the physical, but even in the spiritual and emotional, we set ourselves up because of pride. We set ourselves up not to need other people. I'm amazed at, at times where I hear that someone's in the hospital and they're, you know, they're getting their, you know, ear cut off or something. And you're like, Whoa. you hear about it after the fact, their ear's gone. You meet them. He's like, dude, what happened to your ear? Well, I had to go to the hospital. I had an ingrown earring hole or something, you know, whatever. It's like, why didn't you tell us? We would have been praying for you. Oh, it's okay. I didn't, I didn't really need that. Whoa. We need to get back to some basics here. Yes, you did. And we could have been praying for you as a body. You know what I mean? Emotionally, physically, all kinds of ways, we we hold ourselves back from being needy people. Why? Because of pride. Because of self-sufficiency. Because of putting on airs, etc. But I'm telling you, man, where there's no need, there's no supernatural move of God. You even think about Jesus. uh, For Jesus to fulfill what the Father had sent Him to do, which was to save us, to redeem us, he needed the Holy Spirit. We see that in Scripture. John the Baptist baptized him before he went out into the desert to be tested and before he started his ministry. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Or for us to fulfill what Jesus sends us to do, which is the great commission to go and to make disciples, we need the Holy Spirit. Look at what he said to, uh, in Acts 1.5. He said to the, to the disciples, he said, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the uh, Father had promised. Some people get confused. They think the last thing that Jesus said was to go make disciples. The last thing Jesus told us was to go make disciples. No. The last thing he said is to wait for the gift my Father promised. Because you go try to make disciples and all that that entails without the Holy Spirit, and it can get ugly. Amen? Wait was the last thing he said. Wait for the gift that my Father had promised. And he's talking to the disciples. These disciples had been with him for three years. They'd seen Jesus heal, and they had healed. They'd seen Jesus cast out demons. They cast out demons. They saw uh, Jesus feed tons of people. They fed tons of people. All these things. They, if anybody was qualified to go and make disciples, it would have been the disciples. But Jesus told even them, as much as they had seen and heard and witnessed and felt and touched the hands and hugged the neck of Jesus, they even needed the Holy Spirit. If the disciples, the apostles needed the Holy Spirit, surely we do. Amen? And like I say, I think we've, we're people who have taken ourselves out of a place of needing God. And so, 
You know, on one side of our mouth, we're saying, oh, we want to see God move. We want to see the supernatural. We want to see God do the things like he did in the second chapter of Acts. But on the other side, we, we present ourselves as people that don't need that. It's like, which is it? Because we become confused at some point. You know, double-minded people. And we know double-minded people, Scripture says, are unstable in all their ways. And we really kind of become unstable. Like, well, I don't know what I need. Well, the truth is, is we're very needy. I want you to look real quick at 1 Corinthians 10. And we'll, uh, it's just a couple chapters before. And we'll end with this. Starting in verse 1, we'll read 1 through uh, 4. For I do not want you to be unaware. This is another time he doesn't want them to be unaware. Brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into, the, into Moses uh, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. And so right there you see a people, I mean, we don't have to go into all the the minutiae of what happened with Israel coming out of Egypt. But we know once they got into that desert, they were very needy people. They were needy while they were in Egypt. That's why God worked supernaturally to get them out of Egypt. But once they were out of Egypt and in the desert, they became needy in a different kind of way. And God moved on their behalf. Why? Because they needed, they needed food. And what kind of food did it give them? Taco Bell? Go pay me a couple dollars and give me a burrito? No, it was supernatural food. Manna from heaven. Every day, everybody's like, like, what is this? In fact, that's what manna means. What is this? They're like, what is this? That's what it means. And God's like, this is my supernatural provision because I love you. I care for you. I heard your cry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet your needs. God gave them supernatural food. And then we know another time they were crying about being thirsty. And they probably were. It was a desert. We're thirsty. We're thirsty. And God said, Moses, you know, hit on that rock over there. Moses did. And water comes out of that. I mean, spiritual water. You know, some of y'all go try to hit on a rock, see if water comes out. It ain't going to happen. It happens when the Holy Spirit's rolling. You know what I mean? When the Holy Spirit is moving. It's supernatural. And I just wanted to end with this thought today. That God still offers spiritual food and spiritual water to us. I think we've convinced ourselves, and we've really worked ourselves into this cycle... But we've convinced ourselves that God doesn't move today. And even if we theologically, doctrinally believe that he does, we get frustrated and, and uh, lack, lack hope that he will. Listen, he wants to, he will, and he, he does move on behalf of the needy. I think one of the things the Lord would say to you this morning and myself is that become a people who are needy. Become a people who aren't self-sufficient. Ask the Lord. Admit to the Lord. Lord, in the natural, I can't do this. I tried in my own gifting. I tried in my own personality and strength. And this ain't working. I tried to feed myself. I tried to um, quench my own thirst. But this isn't working. And God knows that because he knows what we need before we ask. And he's saying, great. I've been waiting to give you spiritual food. I've been waiting to give you spiritual water. Remember what I said? The Holy Spirit lives in us but will come upon us. And move in power when the natural is not enough. Amen? Let's stand.